Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I am excited because I have with me uh, my colleague as well as a fellow MBA grad, uh, Natasha Chan. Uh, Natasha is a proud uh, MBA MPH alum from Johns Hopkins Carey's Business School and the Bloomberg School of Public Health. But in addition to that, um, Natasha is also on the learning and development team within the customer success group um, at Salesforce. Um, Natasha has a phenomenal background in terms of not only is she a dual degree MBA MPH student, but she's also um, worked in the higher education industry within consulting and now is in technology. And so we're going to chat a little bit today just about um, careers in general, because um, Natasha's had a few and she's learned a few things along the way. Um, and she also thinks a lot about this, a lot of this stuff, um, both in her current job, but also in some of her former work, particularly in the higher ed realm. Uh, so Natasha, first and foremost, thanks for joining me today. Before we dive into too much, I want to start, and I always try to start with just a nice little warm-up question. So I would love to know from you, what was your favorite tradition uh, growing up? You know, what was that one tradition that you had? Could be anything that you just really held on to and you really, really loved. It's a really good question. Um, I think for me, so I am, my heritage, I'm Chinese, um, but my grandfather is actually white and he is a good old American grandpa and he actually worked for the Oakland A's. So I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and so he taught me to play baseball growing up and growing up in the Bay Area, you know, we didn't really have any baseball fields close by, but we had apple trees in the backyard. So my grandpa would always pick up apples that had fallen from my grandma's trees and we would hit those around. And we did that all throughout my childhood. So that's a really fond memory that I have. I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that and for telling us a little bit of what it was like growing up. All right. So let's start just with a little bit of your background. You know, initially, what did you do before you went to before business school? And ultimately, why did you decide to go get your MBA? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, you know, I grew up in California and I went to the UC system. So I went to UC San Diego um, and like a lot of other kids, you know, my parents encouraged me to go into healthcare and to be a doctor. So that's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, but after chemistry ruined my life, I decided that maybe I should try something else within healthcare. Um, so I decided to look into maybe public health or the business side of healthcare. Um, so immediately after graduating, I went back to San Francisco and I started my career in hospital payment review and revenue recovery. So that's just a fancy way of saying that I worked with insurance companies to make sure that they were paying hospitals correctly. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, I really wanted to be a doctor to help people and to help patients. And I found myself getting further and further away from that. Um, you know, the work that I did for hospitals was really important, uh, but I wasn't really directly interacting with patients or helping people. Um, so I decided to go to graduate school to really fill some knowledge gaps in both business and in healthcare. 
Um, and I, something I've noticed, you know, throughout my career in healthcare is that sometimes people have, um, you know, really uh, lofty goals or um, ways that they really want to help other people, but they don't always have the business acumen to do it. Um, so that's what led me to pursue the dual degree. And what specifically drew me to Johns Hopkins was um, at the time, their slogan for the business school was business with humanity in mind. Um, and that was always something that was a stereotype in healthcare about the business world, you know, that uh, people in business are really slimy and they just don't really care about people. Um, and so I really wanted to go to an institution that believed in that and that there was a human side to business. Um, so that's what drew me to Carrie and to Bloomberg. That's great. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. And um, like you, I think my parents secretly wanted uh, me to be a doctor as well. Um, like you, uh, chemistry ruined me. <laughs> but there were a bunch of other science classes and that ruined yeah. me as well, but uh, it worked out for the best. And it sounds like it did for you too. So you're in school, you're in an MBA program, you're in a dual degree program. Uh, to, talk to me a little bit about what that was like and also what you ended up deciding to pursue career-wise, you know, while you were in that dual degree program. Yeah. So, you know, while I was in business school, very similar to, you know, college, I went in thinking I was going to do one thing. Um, like many MBAs, I wanted to go into strategy and operations, whatever that meant. And I wanted to go back into consulting, but switch from, you know, the finance side into strategy and ops. So my goal in graduate school was to figure out what exactly that meant and how I could be good at it. And so I thought I was going to go, you know, to McKinsey or to BCG, and I was going to learn about the, the healthcare system in other countries and then bring it back to the U.S. and change our U.S. healthcare system. <laughs> so over the summer, um, I had an internship in strategy and ops. Um, and so I was doing exactly what I thought I wanted to do, and I absolutely hated it. Um, you know, it was a great company and it was a great experience, um, but I just wasn't finding myself, you know, super excited about the work. And, um, you know, so many of my peers just loved what they did in their internships. But, you know, the, the amount of hours that you have to put in for consulting can be a struggle sometimes. Um, and I really wanted to be excited about the work that I was doing. So I did a lot of soul searching in my second year. And, you know, it's, it's really scary just because I decided to make a pivot at that point in my career and just do something completely different. Um, but I did a lot of soul searching about the things that really made me happy while I was in graduate school or the things even outside of my schoolwork that I really enjoyed. And I was really involved at, um, at Hopkins at the time. You know, I was a TA, I was a grad assistant, I was in a lot of clubs, and I got to see a lot of what happened behind the scenes in education. Um, and I found myself really enjoying that. And so I talked to a lot of my advisors about what I could potentially do if I were to pivot into the education space. And so they mentioned, you know, you do have a consulting background, why don't you consider higher ed consulting? Um, so immediately after graduate school, I went to Huron Consulting, where I I did Oracle cloud implementations for universities across the US and China. So that was my first foray into a career pivot. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, just to dig a little deeper there, what was that experience like to invest a ton of time pursuing mm -hmm. this one path, going through that experience, and then coming to that conclusion that it wasn't the path for you? Can you talk to me about you know, what that was like for you or what, how that made you feel or, yeah. or what did that, what did that, uh, yeah. How did, how did you kind of process that? 
Yeah, so it was definitely terrifying. So I had spent my whole career in healthcare. I was now getting a master's in public health. All of my peers were in healthcare. And, you know, I think for me, I was fortunate that I was also getting an MBA. And I think that gave me a little bit of bravery um, and a little bit of wiggle room to do something different. Um, you know, the great thing about having a dual degree is that if I need to, I can kind of chop off one degree. Um, if I want to talk a little bit more about healthcare, you know, I have that. But at the same time, if I want to do something completely different, the MBA gave me the flexibility. Um, but it was kind of uncharted territory for someone in my program. Um, I think I'm probably the first person in my program ever to not go into something healthcare related after getting this dual degree. So I think my advisors also were a little bit confused about what to do with me. Um, and so I think that, you know, was interesting because they were super supportive um, and they were constantly, you know, introducing me to alumni and just giving me advice. But a lot of it was kind of on my own. Like I had to do a lot of searching and kind of figure out um, if I didn't do an internship in education or something human capital related, which I was kind of looking into, how would I translate my experience, my whole healthcare experience into something completely unrelated? Um, so that was a new experience and that was scary. I didn't have, um, you know, alumni or peers to really rely on. So it was it was really depressing and, and really sad while I was going through it, just because I was really scared that by the time graduation came around, like I wouldn't have a job um, or, you know, what have I just been doing for the past like 20 plus years of my life? Um, but now that I'm on the other side, like I see that as a really pivotal moment in my life and in my career journey, just because it taught me a lot about how you kind of have to keep persevering. If it's a decision that you've come to that you want to make a career pivot, you just have to keep pushing forward and figuring out little ways that you can kind of move on to something different than what you originally planned for. Um, and it also taught me to be humble as well, you know, graduating with two master's degrees, you'd think that you'd come out, you know, in some sort of senior position making a certain type of salary, but that wasn't the reality for me. I did have to take an analyst position as soon as I came out of you know, business school. Um, I wasn't making as much as some of my peers. Um, and so that was a pill that I had to swallow, but I do think it was important for me to start building a foundation in something new. So yeah, that was my experience. Sure. And it, it sounds like a challenging experience, but you know, just hearing you talk about it, it definitely shows the depth to which you kind of learned through it, but also about yourself in, in so many ways. And, and I think when you're going through the experience, it's hard to notice it because you're, you're really focused on driving towards an outcome, but with the benefit of hindsight and some future successes, it's, it's, you know, when you look back on it, I, I mean, I mean, at least from an outsider's perspective, I can at least see a lot of the lessons that you must've been able to learn from that, you know, challenging experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So you, you made it out, uh, you graduated, <laughs> uh, you end up at, you end up at Huron and you, as yep. you said, doing higher education consulting. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, that experience. Uh, it was, it was born out of, you know, this pivot, but you know, there were still some elements of, um, you know, thing, you know, some of your past was, was kind of creeping in, but you know, what was that experience like and, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, so that was my first foray into both education and technology. So I did a hard pivot into a different industry. 
Um, but like you mentioned, the function was kind of the same. I had done consulting before, but I had never done cloud implementations. I'd never done change management. Like those were two new hats that I had to wear. Um, and on top of that, I was also traveling full time. So my first project was actually um, in Wyoming. And so I moved to Chicago and I was flying from Chicago to Denver and then driving two and a half hours to Wyoming every single week for seven months. Um, so, you know, being in a new city, being in a new job, traveling full time, that was a really challenging experience. Um, I also was embarking on a long distance relationship at the time and glad to say we made it through three and a half years later. Um, but all of that, you know, being a new MBA grad can be really stressful and it's a really um, interesting time to just kind of relearn who you are. Um, you know, up until that point in life, you know, a lot of people have a set plan. Like I have X years that I'm going to work and then I'm going to go to graduate school and I'm going to get this dream job. But then after that, it's, it's just life, you know? So that was uh, an interesting experience. Um, but, you know, going back to how did the pivot work out for me? Um, this was the first time where I felt like I was in the right place. Um, and so, you know, when I was in healthcare, I always kind of felt like an imposter. I was just like, oh, you know, one day after I go to graduate school or after I get X job, I'm going to feel like this is the right fit for me. But from day one, like I really felt like I belonged in education. Like I just loved coming to work every day. I loved being at universities. I loved the work that I was doing. Um, there were times, there's obviously times where it was like stressful or there were certain tasks that I didn't like doing, but as an industry, like I loved higher ed working with students. And so I knew I was kind of moving in the right direction. So one of the things you said there that I thought was really great was that you said that this was the, the first time where you felt like you belonged and, mm -hmm. and, and you were, without needing another degree or qualification, you felt confident where you were. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to know more about mm -hmm. what made you feel that way. And part of the reason why I ask is because, I mean, I think there's many people out there who deal with imposter syndrome of mm -hmm. some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. But the other reason why I ask is because the MBA very much is a credential in a lot of ways. And, and a lot of people talk about, you know, that being one of the values of it, which, which I do think it to be true, mm -hmm. but I also see it as a concern sometimes because uh, sometimes it can maybe, um, maybe be seen, a, maybe people use it as a crutch. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm getting at is, you know, I would love to hear what made you feel like you belonged because like, ideally, like I would love for everyone to feel that way in the work that yeah. they're doing. Right. So, so could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And so, again, I can only speak for my own experience, but, you know, being in education, like I had been a student my whole life, like even though I had never worked in higher ed, like I have, you know, gone to college, I've gone to graduate school and I knew what it was like to be a student. And so a lot of the work that I was doing was helping universities build their student information system or think about how administrators do their jobs to better serve students. And so it was really easy for me to put myself in the shoes of those people. Whereas when I was working in healthcare, um, you know, unfortunately I never became a doctor. And so I couldn't really understand like what it is that they went through on an everyday basis. Um, and, you know, for hospitals, like I was not a hospital administrator. These 
laws or these policies that I was researching and consulting that would then impact these administrators and these physicians, like I would not feel the direct impact of those. But, you know, working with universities, I could imagine, you know, what it would be like if I was a student or if I was an administrator. And so I think that made it a lot easier for me to connect with what I was doing. And so I think how that might um, you know, be similar to other people who are also pivoting in their careers or like worried about imposter syndrome. That's what I would encourage you to search for in business school is like thinking about, you know, it's great to have goals, like maybe you want to go into banking or maybe you want to go into product management. And that's great, but really think about like why it is that you have a connection to it rather than just thinking about it as an industry itself. Like, are you someone who is really, really passionate about finance because you yourself are very interested in investing or for product management, you know, were you someday like using an app and there was something about it that really kind of sparked your interest in like, how is this app being used or how is it being developed? But just develop some sort of personal connection to what it is that you want in a career. And I think that is going to make you happy or feel more fulfilled in what it is that you're pursuing as a career. Yeah. And I think what it also does is that it gives you, it gives you the confidence to, to focus on what it is that you're working on or what you want to put energy towards versus taking that energy or that time that you'd spend on that and thinking about, oh, I don't have this or I don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're you're just you're just so locked into, oh, I gotta, you know, do this thing or oh I gotta solve this problem or oh, how do I do this better? Well and you know, I often, you know, tell people or even tell myself, mm -hmm. if I spent the time I was thinking about how I can't do this one thing or how I'm not qualified or mm -hmm. if I totaled up that time and I added it up and I <laughs> allocated it towards like actually figuring that thing out, I, I probably would be in a much better, like a much better like space. Um, unfortunately, cool. sometimes your, your mind doesn't work like that and it plays tricks on you. And so it's, it's a little bit easier said than done. But when to your point, I do think though, when, when you have that connection to something, whether it's personal or whether it's because you're just good at it or whether it's because you're just super excited by it, um, it allows you to, to, to approach and focus in a way where you're not thinking about what you lack or, or that mm -hmm. you, you don't have this credential or that mm -hmm. you, you weren't a doctor. So you, you can't possibly know yeah. how to, how to solve for that solution. But I guess one other caveat that I do want to say is that, um, you know, it's, I don't want to be so naive to say that, you know, um, if you're starting out in your career, it's, it's, you're not going to feel imposter syndrome or, you know, there are going to be times where you may not necessarily um, immediately see how you might be a value add. Um, the first job that you take out of graduate school is very rarely going to be the same job that you have forever. Um, and, you know, maybe this first job out of graduate school is a stepping stone, you know, and maybe it is to fill some knowledge gaps so that you can be more confident or that you do help yourself build connections of why it is that you're interested in a particular industry like maybe you're just trying something out and like that's totally fine so again this was my personal journey this was my foray into education um and so you know that that is just one caveat i wanted to throw out there like your first job doesn't have to be your dream job sure and it and it your first job doesn't have to be your dream job and your yeah. first job most likely is not going to be the last one that you take after graduating and you and I are both living proof of that and many others for that yeah. matter. Okay, exactly. great. So you, you did, you did your stint at Huron and, it, and you know, you felt 
like you belonged, mm -hmm. but then you decided to make another transition. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that came about? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when I mentioned that I first felt like I belonged or it was just this feeling that I have, like I loved the, ener and the energy of university. So every time, you know, I flew to wherever it was that I needed to be and I was physically on campus, I just loved seeing students kind of buzzing around, like seeing all the classrooms. And I really wanted that full time. Um, you know, as a consultant, there's only so much firsthand experience that I have being at a university. Um, and I just didn't think that that, that was something that I would get if I stayed there, you know, long term. Um, so I did decide to transition into the university space full time. Um, so that's what led me to Booth. So most recently, I was with um, Career Services there for about two years, um, and I was specifically on the coaching side. So I helped to advise um, interns and uh, students who were looking for full time roles um, for tech, healthcare, innovation, and design. Uh, what else? Uh, consulting. So we at Booth, there's kind of a generalist model amongst the coaches. So there's um, every coach can coach on, you know, every industry, but those are the students I tended to see the most. That's great. And I would love to know because you went through the kind of recruiting process as in career search process as a student, and then mm -hmm. you got to be on the other side of it in terms of guiding and coaching MBA students to that same process. Would love to know what changed or what stayed the same in terms of your thinking about, you know, the process when you got that additional perspective of being on the other side uh, in terms of working in, you know, the career management office and, and now yeah. coaching people through that process? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I definitely reflected on my own experience a lot while I was a coach. And I think that is what really helped me to connect with students as well, because I was like, no, not that long ago, I was in their shoes looking for internships and full-time roles. And I thought a lot about things that I wish that I would have had or things that I didn't have. And I think, you know, the biggest takeaway that I get from most students is that they want really tangible next steps of like, I want to get a job in X, like what do I need to do to get there? And so if people give, you know, very generic nebulous high level advice, I think that's when students tend to feel a little bit more um, like they're not getting what they want out of an advising appointment. So I tried to wear, I tried to empathize a lot to best help students. Um, but at the same time, I also saw behind the scenes, like how much work goes into programming, how much work goes into resume reviews, cover letter reviews, hosting events for students, and how, um, you know, career services at Booth is amazing, and they do so much for their students. Um, but even then, like sometimes students will say like, well, I'm doing a specialized search, or, you know, I'm doing something really niche, like there's not a lot of support for me. So it just made me also reflect on my own MBA experience. Experience and how I may have taken my advisors for granted or, you know, I just didn't think about how much work went into some of those things that I was offered. Um, so that was also a humbling experience too. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it stems from just kind of the, the person that you are and your character, but I also think the other part of that also stems from being able to get that additional experience and to see from another perspective mm -hmm. uh, and then reflect back and, and to be able to demonstrate that empathy. So I think that's, I think that's great. I am curious either knowing what you know now, having been on the other side, what would you have done differently had you known that when you were in business school? Or maybe another way to answer this question, 
knowing what you know now, how did that change your kind of approach moving forward? You know, having this insight, you know, working with so many different students and coaching them through their career process. I mean, there's a lot of lessons learned there that I, I can only imagine can be really valuable to you now as you think about the rest of your career. Yeah. So, you know, I think when you're a student, you think about yourself in a silo and you think about your peers in a silo. And so when you're applying for jobs, you just think like, oh, I'm only, I'm just myself and my peers are themselves. And it's just us applying for these jobs. And like, yeah, you know, I'm applying against a bunch of other MBAs, but that's it. You know, it's, it's, it seems like a very finite number, but when you're on the other side, it makes you realize how difficult it really is for students to differentiate themselves from their peers. Um, you know, as a recruiter or as someone who is hiring, um, when you get all these resumes, if there isn't some sort of story or connection to someone's application or their profile, it is very, very difficult to differentiate students from one another. And so I think, you know, just the sheer volume of students coming into career services, um, it just made me think about really the importance of storytelling. And so I think that is like a big takeaway that I would give to anyone. And, you know, just on my own personal experience from career services is it's very, very important for you to think about why it is that you're here at business school and, you know, what do you bring to the table? Like, what is your story? What makes you tick? Um, and I think that will help you kind of just shine and kind of differentiate yourself from all the other MBAs that are out there. I think that's, I think that's really sound advice and something that I definitely see now in terms of having to read lots of resumes or, you know, look, interview lots of candidates. I wonder, I'm wondering here, you've probably helped countless individuals kind of hone in on their story, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if if people aren't doing it right, it's not because they haven't heard it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think it's a pretty well documented thing on mm -hmm. MBA programs to, to kind of do this, mm -hmm. but what, where is the gap, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, mm -hmm. what, what's the blocker that is not preventing people from doing this because, you know, I, I think of most top MBA programs, the advice you're giving is, is spot on, but mm -hmm. you know, there's certainly an execution gap. And I know because I have piles yeah. of resumes to prove. <laughs> so I think, you know, one of the biggest, I don't want to say faux pas, but one of the biggest mistakes that I guess MBA students can make sometimes is that when they're telling their story, they think that it's just a linear regurgitation of what's in their resume. So they'll do exactly, you know, what you and I have been talking about this whole time, where it's like, you know, I spent X years doing this job, and then I came to business school, and now I did an internship in X, and this is why I'm here applying for this job. But again, it's like, there are so many people out there who have the exact same profile as you. They may have even worked at the same companies as you, gone to the same business schools as you, have the same amount of work experience as you. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from them? Um, and so that's where I encourage students to really think about the why. So it's like, why are you in business school? Why are you now pursuing this next career? why does it make you happy? And I think answering those questions rather than just regurgitating what's in your resume is much more interesting. Um, and so, you know, when I look at cover letters, my eyes just kind of glaze over when people regurgitate exactly what is in their resume. Like that doesn't help me understand who you are and what makes you tick. Um, and so I think that's where I might see like an execution gap that you're kind of talking about. 
like even if you spent your whole cover letter just telling me a story like that's so much more interesting and that's going to be a change from the majority of cover letters that I'm going to see um so again you know my biggest piece of advice is really tell a story and make it meaningful and personal to why business school or why this next job means something to you in your career trajectory. I think that's spot on. Um, so after doing your, after spending some time at Booth, um, you decided again to, to move into a new mm-hmm. opportunity into the opportunity that you're in right now. Um, so talk a little bit about that. You know, what was the motivation mm-hmm. behind that? How did that come about? Yeah. Um, So truthfully, like I absolutely loved my job at Booth. Like that is probably my dream job. Um, But there's a few things that made me decide to pivot in my career again. Um, So one thing I mentioned is that in working with students, um, that piece about having really tangible firsthand experience or feedback when I'm talking to students or giving them advice, um, more and more students now are going into technology. Um, I'm fortunate that I've done cloud implementations before, but I have never worked in a tech company. Um, And so that is something that I saw as a gap in my skill set if I want to continue advising MBA students, you know, like the the process changes year after year of when people go through the recruiting process of like what is a case interview like what exactly is a customer success manager like what does a product manager do how is that different from a pmm so i think wanting to get firsthand experience to understand all of that was one thing um and the second like bigger piece was that you know whether i was a consultant teaching my clients whether i was at a university working with students i really love kind of figuring out what makes people tick, helping them learn and helping them figure out like what their learning style is. Um, And so a lot of the work that I did at Booth in addition to advising was program development um, and figuring out how to train students and make them understand some of these nebulous soft topics. Um, So that's just kind of what got my gears turning about is there something else that I can do for this next phase of my career where I can kind of develop that skill of learning and development Um, but also work in the tech industry. And so um, I'm originally from the Bay Area, like I mentioned, and I'm currently stationed in Chicago. So I was looking for something that maybe would allow me to transfer back to the Bay Area eventually. Um, So that's how I landed on Salesforce. You know, I had applied to a bunch of big tech companies, um, but Salesforce specifically stood out to me um, for a variety of reasons. But culturally, it just seemed like a really good fit. A lot of their values I also align with. Um, the team that I met with was really great. Um, so that's what led me to what I do now. So I'm an enablement manager within our customer success group. And I specifically oversee our suite of soft skills programs. So everyone um, within customer success, um, me and my team help them with any training and development needs that they have around soft skills. So anything from um, customer centric discovery, Um, storytelling, building executive presence. um, Those are all things that we help our employees with. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, I'm curious now that you've changed, you know, careers a couple times now, Mm -hmm. wondering what your thoughts are on how much planning do you need to, to make those changes versus how much of it is emergent and just kind of, happens. And, you know, because on on one hand, you know, I'm thinking like, uh, for some of our colleagues or some of our classmates who 
when COVID hit, they happened to be in <laughs> industries that were severely disrupted. Yeah. And they had no choice but to look for other opportunities. And then on the other hand, you know, I, I, I think there are people who, you know, like we were talking about earlier, who mm-hmm. kind of have a roadmap, if you will, and mm-hmm. with timelines, right? And so if you think of those as like the two like ends of the spectrum, like I'm just yeah. curious like what your kind of take is on that. Oh, that's a really good question. And unfortunately, I'm going to give that hated answer of it depends. <laughs> or, or, you know, there's, I don't think that there's a one size fits all answer to this question. Um, I think it depends a lot on your temperament, your risk tolerance. Um, but I think for me, you know, as I mentioned, I had only planned my life up until graduate school. And even by then, it just like completely fell apart by, by the end of my second year. And it just made me realize that it's very, you can set parameters for yourself. You know, you can say like, eh, you know, in five years, I kind of want to be here. So I, I definitely recommend like the five-year goal to think about like, where do I want to be? And is what I'm doing now helping me get there? And if it's not, then you might want to think about maybe switching in your career. Um, but another bigger question to ask yourself is, are you happy? Um, and if more often than not, you're, the answer is that, the answer to that is no. I think that's also another signal that you should be thinking about whether or not you want to be doing something different. Um, But, you know, to bring in the COVID piece and, you know, just life happens and you can't always plan. And it is very naive to say sometimes like, oh, you should do whatever makes you happy when, you know, what if you need a job that's going to help put food on the table or like pay for rent, you know, so it just might not be even though you planned like this year, I'm going to make a career pivot something like COVID might happen where you can't do that. And that's okay. So I think people just need to be a little bit flexible in, you know, what their timelines are for themselves, but definitely just setting goals or check-ins with yourself, I think is really important. Um, And if it means anything to anything out there, like I actually was thinking about a career change at the height of the pandemic. So I actually recruited, onboarded, and landed this role um, at the very, very beginning of shelter in place. So that has been a wild experience for me. And I have no idea. I still haven't met anybody face-to-face yet at Salesforce, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, so definitely be flexible when it comes to being open to a career change. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And certainly this would not be a podcast with two consultants if someone didn't say it depends. So <laughs> bingo for that. But yeah. but one so one one thing I wanted to ask more about was and if I'm putting words in your into your mouth, let me know. But one of the things you mentioned was you this idea of this plan, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, for a lot of your life, and this is definitely true for me, a lot of my life mm-hmm. before business school it went to the plan and everything, give or take, went according to plan. I mean, my life wasn't perfect. I had setbacks like everyone else, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I was able to get to the the, the, the the goals that I wanted to get to within give or take the same amount of time frame without mm-hmm. too, too many surprises. Right. Um, and since then for me, um, I, or after business school, I mean, I didn't have any plans after that. And so I've really had to architect and kind of, kind of go my own way. And, mm-hmm. you know, for you, uh, similarly, I, it sounds like you kind of were someone who who liked having that plan. And mm-hmm. now since business school, you've had to continuously iterate and, and evolve. And so I'm just wondering, given that if you were that person who liked to plan and mm-hmm. now you're someone who is 
clearly going through multiple kinds of plans. Like, how have you managed that? Or what has that experience been like? Yeah. And so, you know, I think that goes back to, um, I don't really set like um, as strict or rigid of plans as I did before, you know, before I was very, very clear about like in X years, I'm going to make this change and I'm going to have this job at this company. I think now it's more so like, you know, I've landed in this role that I'm really, really excited about. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, like, let's just see where I am in like five years. And then if along the way, you know, I learn about a role, a company, a position, whatever, that kind of piques my interest, um, maybe I'll explore that. So I think just having gone through a change once, it made me realize that it, you can't plan for everything. So I think that's one big life lesson. Um, and I think also too, just uh, thinking about um, your career, not so much as like milestones or um, like certain checkpoints that you have to get to, but again, just making it kind of a continuous learning journey. It's just like, after I've gone to a certain point, it's like, what's next? For me, it's more so about like building my skill set, becoming an expert at something now, or again, just trying to ask myself, like, am I happy? And so I constantly ask myself those questions. And if I've, you know, learned a specific skill, like, am I a master at it now? Or, um, you know, is there something else that I need to be adding to my toolkit? And I think if you're constantly curious and exploring, you're going to meet a lot of other people who might introduce you to things or topics or jobs that you didn't know about in the past. And those are all important experiences too. So again, another nebulous kind of, it depends, like not a straightforward answer, but I, I just think that people need to be flexible and open like post MBA to where their career takes them. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's spot on and definitely something that I've experienced myself. So I, I appreciate you kind of unpacking that. Um, just to maybe wrap up here and, and thank you again <laughs> for joining. This has been a great conversation. So one, my last question is of just, I think there's a lot of focus in business school on finding and choosing that right career, right? Mm -hmm. You know, get that internship that hopefully materializes into a full-time offer or really focus on getting that full-time offer getting that employment outcome. And there's a lot of good reasons for, for that, but there's a lot mm -hmm. of focus on that. But as we both mentioned, the first job after business school most likely will not be your last job. And there's a decent likelihood that you will change careers. And uh, of two, both of us are perfect examples. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious, you know, what advice do you have, you know, for students or current MBA students who, you know, clearly they want to be able to get that post MBA job, right? Like that's important, but like, how, what kind of advice do you have for them knowing that things, you know, could change? Um, you know, how do you kind of navigate that or how would you help students kind of navigate that, you know, with the benefit of, of hindsight, right? Yeah. So I guess like if I had to have a really big takeaway for the MBA experience or just the graduate school experience is just to really savor the, those two years that you have. Um, it's a very rare opportunity to kind of take a break from the world and just spend two years thinking about yourself and what you want to do. Um, and so as I mentioned, you know, I think it's really, really important to come in with goals, but also just be open to learning um, about any and everything. So meet a lot of people, you know, MBA is great time to do that. Do a lot of things that, you know, you might be outside of your comfort zone. Um, 
but again, like this is the time when you're going to be learning a lot about jobs that you didn't know existed um, or industries or careers that you didn't even know existed. And if something kind of piques your interest, but it's different from the plan that you set for yourself, like don't be afraid to pursue that. Like maybe if you're, you know, your risk tolerance is a little bit lower and you're just afraid to derail from your plan like that's totally fine but maybe do something on the side to kind of explore that a little bit more like attend conferences like join clubs like join case competitions do anything you can to explore that because i think that's something that i really regret <clears throat> about my experience you know again i spent my whole first year super laser focused on getting this internship and in strategy and operations within healthcare but I was completely closed off to other really cool opportunities. Um, so at Cary, for example, there's another path um, of dual degrees that are uh, MAs in design and MBAs. And I think that that's super, super cool. Um, I would have loved to do more classes on design thinking or even gone to, um, you know, the, the school in Baltimore is called MICA, the School of Design. Um, and just, you know, taken some classes there or just met more people from that program. So that's a big regret of mine looking back. Um, but my biggest piece of advice is just be open, um, savor the two years that go by quickly, um, and just make sure that you're really curious throughout your whole two years. I think that's great advice. And I think that's great, great to wrap up this. Uh, Natasha, thank you so much for joining today and for talking all things career on the MBA Insider podcast. Sure. Thing. It was great being here. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.